Well, hey, whether you stumbled onto my podcast or you've been a longtime listener, I'm glad you're listening. What is this podcast all about? Well, it's about people just like me, just like you, about age 60, maybe a little older, maybe a little younger, but you, like me, are trying to figure out how you're going to do life for this next 10, 20, 30 years. How are you going to stay healthy? What are you going to eat? Are you going to exercise? How are you going to do the things you really, really want to do in retirement? Uh, But most importantly, things that I think about go along these lines. How am I going to avoid assisted living? How am I going to maintain my independence? How am I going to enjoy life to its fullest until God says my time is done? Thank you for joining me. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello again and welcome to another episode of Pushing 60 Aside. I am your host, Gene Fleming, ISSA Certified Fitness Trainer, Senior Fitness Specialist, and Nutrition Specialist. Today is December the 28th. It will be the last episode for calendar year 2020. And you know, if we've no other reason to celebrate the new year, celebrating the simple fact that 2020 has finally come to a close is reason enough. I'll be right back with an exciting topic that I think you're going to enjoy. Well, we're back and, you know, sometimes in setting up all that it takes to make a recording happen, uh, it's a little bit of a complicated process. Uh, today, you know, as I finish out the year, you know, I want to look back at 2020. And first, I want to recount some of the really good things that happened in 2020. And, you know, and sometimes it is hard in a year like this because, like you, I've never had a year to compare with 2020. I've never lived through a pandemic. But I was thinking the other day that my grandfather was about. 15 years old during the Spanish flu in 1918, and he survived to live to be uh, 92, 93 years old. And so it's in the genes to survive pandemics. And and that kind of gave me a warm, fuzzy feeling. And uh, so anyway, let's talk about some of the things that happened in 2020 just briefly. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but some really good things did happen. January and February, we had fantastic classes at the Senior Center. Uh, We exercised, we stretched, we worked on balance, we worked on mobility. Uh, We saw some good things happening with a lot of people. And some of those people had already been with me for a year and a half. So they had made good progress. And, uh, you know, and so I was really happy about that. And in mid-March, we had to shut down. Similarly, we had to shut down the training that I did with individuals in the gym. And, um, you know, and it was a crazy period because, you know, uh, you know, we couldn't really understand why the gym needed to shut down. There weren't that many people there. Uh, you know, we're all clean people, you know, uh, you know, we just kind of worked in our little pod and went through the gym and there'd be three, four, sometimes five of us. And we'd get a set of weights and go find us an empty space in the gym. And and we would do a, a dumbbell workout and we'd do squats and we'd do wall push-ups and uh, we'd do punching drills and all kinds of other fun stuff. 
And, um, you know, and this was really, it was uh, the end of the first year of working with uh, my star pupil, uh, Deborah Brown, you know, and so, you know, now after a year of weight loss and physical training, you know, there's so much that she can do. There's, 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 you know, her, her confidence, her, her strength, her stamina is all very high. And so then the pandemic happened and we basically shut it all down. And whether we shut it down out of fear of the virus or because, uh, um, you know, it just made sense or, you know, we didn't want to get sick or, you know, for whatever reason, um, we tapered off with our training in the gym, but we continued working together outside and, um, and, and doing training where we could outside uh, as a healthy alternative. And we took to heart right away the maintaining the social distance thing, and we made sure we didn't cluster too tightly when walking outdoors. And, and so, so far, none of us from our team that uh, worked together in the gym have had coronavirus. At least we don't know that we have. We don't think that we have. And uh, so uh, as time progressed, even our, our walking group faded down in numbers. Uh, you know, one guy moved away. Uh, and, uh, you know, and then distance is an issue because while, you know, we could all gather centrally in Fort Payne, uh, some of us live in the south part of the county, and some of us live in the north part of the county, and I live in Fort Payne. So we had about a 28-mile spread there from where, you know, the furthest north person lived to the person further south. But we we still met when we could, and we'd walk in wide open places like fairgrounds and cemeteries and uh, places like that, you know, anywhere we could get, you know, three or four miles in. But, um, you know, it's almost predictable that an element of boredom set in because uh, if you walk the same place every day, day in, day out, uh, you know, especially if there's nothing scenic about that place. One of the places we frequented was the Veterans Fairgrounds uh, in Fort Payne, which is an, is an old runway. So it's a straight out and back walk and and it's just asphalt and wide open ground. So there's really nothing to see. You know, there's no trees for birds and no flowers for bees and butterflies and things like that. So it makes for a, a boring walk. And, and, and on the hot days, that asphalt was just just steamy hot. And, you know, and we're no stranger to walking in 90 degree weather. And so... Anyway, we still managed to do a lot of walking, and I strongly suspect that most days during uh, April, May, June, July, August, and September, most of us, uh, mostly me and Deborah, but uh, some of the others, we averaged somewhere between three and six miles a day. And if that sounds excessive, perhaps it is. But, you know, everything was closed uh, just about in, in town. So there's really nothing much else to do. But, you know, in some days we'd walk twice in the same day. So we needed a carrot on the stick to motivate us to, you know, train up for something. All the 5K races were canceled. That was a real big disappointment for me because January, February, and March of last year, 
you know, I was regularly running, you know, three and four times a week getting ready for the 5K season, which never happened. Fortunately, toward the end of um, summer and early fall, there were a couple of 5K races we could participate in, and, and so we did. Uh, so uh, we found some alternative ways to skin the same cat, and, and just like people that are having to have conferences online, uh, we took our running online. You say, well, Gene, how do you do that? Well, there's these virtual metal runs that you can sign up for, and yeah, you have to pay, and you get a t-shirt and a medal and a race bib out of it, and it's an honor system, so, you know, once you pay, you're going to get the, the, the goodies anyway. But, you know, if you're a person like me or like Deborah or like Teresa, um, you take the challenge on because if you're going to wear something, you want to earn it. And, uh, and so we independently did our 5K, 10K uh, challenges and... Um, you know, and tried to get a good time on them. And, and really, that's all you can do. And if you're not used to doing races, 5K is 3.1 miles, 10K is 6.2. And we worked up to doing half marathon distances. And, um, and so each one of these major races we did, we had to do another entry fee, and there was a different T-shirt and a different medal. And, um, but it was something to motivate us to keep, you know, keep on training. Um, no, we couldn't do our big group stuff with our buddies and have fun at the senior center anymore, but we wanted to keep ourselves in shape, and really that's the whole point of this fitness game is to stay in the best possible condition you can for yourself. You know, and you know, in, in my case, uh, I stay in good shape for both myself and for the sake of Kathleen because I am the fully able person in in our marriage and you know and I stay in shape for my dogs because I'm the primary caregiver for the dogs and and I'm also their playmate isn't that sweet so anyway let me take a little swig here so a uh, swig of uh, water because <laughs> I'm telling you I don't drink but if I did 2020 would have been a problem mm. ah thank you thank you um Sometimes I try to do these podcasts in one continuous session, and I end up with dry throat and sticky lips, and it just doesn't make for a good podcast. So anyway, so we did these virtual runs, and then uh, in, in late fall, we actually did a 5K race with other people. It was a hard race um, because it was all uphill for the first mile and a half and all downhill for the, the second half, a real physical challenge but you have that sense of running with other people and really being in a race and really the only person you're racing with is yourself because you know i it's my goal is not to uh outrun deborah or any other person that i normally run with my goal is to beat myself on a, a comparable race you know and you know I, I did okay i cut under 40 minutes for the first time and uh since the previous year, and I was happy, happy, happy with that. And, uh, you know, and yes, I've run some 5Ks in under 30 minutes, but that's been three or four years ago. So anyway, that was a good aspect of this year. Well, you know, it's not just enough to be able to go the distance because, you know, we can slog through steps 
um, and just keep going for, you know, hours even to amass a distance, you know. Uh, I think when Deborah and I did a half marathon together, um, I think uh, we ended up with close to five or six hours involved in that half marathon. We walked it. And then on another occasion, we did a full marathon distance, but we split it and did it in two days. So it's like we did back-to-back half marathons. And I think the first day we did 14 miles, and the second day we did, you know, the remaining uh, 12.2. All good fun, all good fun. And, uh, you know, and so we got to celebrate that, you know, and, uh, you know, and, and it feels it feels good to have ran my first half marathon at age 62. I honestly never thought I would ever run a half marathon. Uh, but, you know, 2020 gave me that, that opportunity because there was nothing else to do. <laughs> if you've got nothing else to do but go out and run, you know, and, 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 and you don't mind doing it, it's amazing what you can do. So I was really proud that Deborah ran her first real race uh, with me uh, out in the town of Valley Head, and, and she did good. You know, it's one thing to go out on your own honor system or using your Fitbit or, or Apple tracker and, and mark off the distance. But, you know, being with a group of people that are really running as hard as they can and and some of them couldn't run at all. They were they just walked it and that, that's fine. But to know that you actually participated in a 5K, a, a real race with real people with real medals and, you know, that, that it's just it's it's fun of a different sort. And, you know, so Deborah at age 58, sorry, Deborah, everybody knows your age now for sure. Uh, Deborah at age 58 has her first real 5K under her belt. Now, she had done another 5K the year prior, but it, it wasn't really a race. It was more of like a community walk for uh, heart health awareness, and we, we did that one together, and, and Teresa was with us also. So it's a big adventure, folks, is, is, is what I'm saying. 2020, um, you know, it wasn't spoiled entirely, and it wasn't spoiled entirely because we accomplished some things that ultimately helped us stay healthy, and in the case of Deborah and myself, uh, it kept us from regaining weight that we had worked so hard to lose. And, you know, and so it would have, I can only imagine that the the impact of the pandemic and quarantine would have been horrible for both of us if we had done nothing but sit home uh, until even today. You know, so we basically would have sat on our butts for uh, nine and a half, ten months and we would have gotten soft, we would have lost our uh, endurance, we would have lost on speed, we'd have lost on flexibility, we'd lost on mobility, um, and we might would have found ourselves in a pit of depression and sadness because uh, exercise is, is part of my joy in life. It, it's, it's the activity 
I say that fuels my fire and motivates me to keep on keeping on. And when I find myself at the end of the day and I don't know what to do, I go lift. Now, back before the gym closed, I'd go to the gym and lift. And, and back before the pandemic, I would run a lot of 5Ks, normally four, five, six a year. And so these always kept me in a training cycle of, you know, preparing for the next big thing in my life. And so, uh, you know, sometimes there's you've, you've done the basics, you know. Okay, I can do a 5K. Great. I can do a 10K. Great. You know, I've, I've lost X number of pounds and I feel great about that. And I look better and my doctor's proud of me and my uh, family's proud of me and, and people that barely know me are proud of me. And, you know, Deborah, myself, and Bruce have all experienced this uh, to some degree. And, you know, I don't have permission to tell you what Bruce has done, but I can tell you this. We hooked up around uh, May time frame. I started coaching him in part, and uh, he was very motivated. And I'm just going to put it out here, Bruce, if you get mad at me, and you're just going to have to get over it, brother. I'm proud of you. Um, Bruce is having to buy new pants, and Bruce is having to uh, uh, figure out how he's going to continue from here because he's lost 75 pounds since May. And that's a little bit dated, so it may be 78 pounds by now. But it is hard. It's hard, hard, hard to be that disciplined for that long and that persistent and that much of a hard head to just stick with it and make it happen. And if you've ever experimented with your own weight, you know that, you know, sometimes those first three or four weeks are just, you know, bam, and you've you've knocked off five or ten pounds and yeah, but that second month, whoo, and you hit a little plateau, and then bam, you knock off another five or ten, and then that next month, another plateau, and you get on the scales, and you're up a pound or two, and you're like, what happened? I worked harder this week than I did the last two weeks together. It happens. It happens. But, you know, your body is adapting to this whole new uh, system that you're uh, how you're feeding it and how you're supplying nutrition to it and how you're hydrating it and how you're physically using it to do things that it has not been doing heretofore. And so sometimes we've got a little inflammation going on. Uh, we've got some adaptation that's going on. We've got fat metabolism that's happening. Lots of things are going on with the body and so plateaus are predictable. But then, um, and, and I'm sure... If you haven't experienced one of these yet, you will soon. I would go through what I would call a weight slide. And I don't have a medical term for it, but I know that, you know, I was down like 80 pounds and I knew I wasn't done yet and I was stuck there. And, you know, and so I was revisiting what I was eating and I was looking at the amount of exercise that I was getting, mostly walking and dumbbell lifting at the time. But I'd say, you know, am I doing something wrong? You know, have I, have I messed up somehow? Am I eating in my sleep? You know, but then, you know, after a week or 10 days, I'd get on the scales and bam, you know, I'd be down four, five, six pounds. And I was like, oh, well, that's a lot of weight to lose suddenly. And, and being the cynic that I am, 
I would be skeptical. Well, was it all water weight? <laughs> you know, because where does, you know, nobody really loses six pounds of fat in a week. You know, it, it just doesn't happen. There's too many calories involved there. But it's almost as if with me, my body was holding um, this weight and, and, and I would drop large amounts over one short period, say a week or 10 days or two weeks. And then the journey would resume, and I'd be back to losing a pound every week or two. And, and then all of a sudden, bam, I'd be down four more pounds. Before long, I was down about 105. And, uh, and so now, you know, now I am way, way, way past that part of my big adventure. And, uh, you know, and, and I regained some weight through weightlifting, and I... And, uh, and I have probably gained a couple of pounds here in the holidays. I typically put on anywhere from, I don't know, four to eight pounds during the Christmas holidays. And it's not because I'm overeating. Frankly, I think it's because of short days and a decrease in activity. Unfortunately for me, I've got a, an injury right now that has uh, just about ruined my walking and running. And uh, fortunately, my turf toe, as it's been diagnosed, is improving. And, uh, you know, at least it's not keeping me awake at night. And uh, so that's all on the men. So how did all this work together to get to this point? Oh, one more thing. Don't let me forget this. The best thing I think that, that, that was going to cap off a year that was destroyed for, the, for a lot of people and certainly disrupted for the rest of us was um, along about August, uh, I told Deborah that it was one thing to run a 5K, but it's another thing altogether to climb a mountain. And Deborah, I'm sure you remember many of the long, long discussions we had while we were uh, hiking and walking out in Valley Head and Glenwood Cemetery and, you know, and every other place we ever walked. But um, I said, I'm going to set a goal for us. And in early October, when the weather cools down, we're going to climb Lookout Mountain you are going to climb Lookout Mountain. You know, folks, how hard it is to, to climb even a single flight of stairs, going up from the first floor to the second. And, and the thought of having to climb from the first floor to the third is really daunting at some points in our life. And even when I was younger, you know, I'd get to the top of a flight of stairs and I'd go, whoo, that was tough. But, um, you know, climbing muscles and walking muscles involve some of the same muscles but a different use of them because you're literally lifting your entire body mass up inches with every step in a climb and um, it's a lot of work on the glutes a lot of work on the quadriceps a lot of work on the calves and hamstrings and so we set about a goal uh, probably late july uh, early august somewhere in that time frame that we were going to climb lookout mountain if you can imagine the look on Deborah's face, and, and I hope she doesn't mind me sharing this, and she was like, oh, really? Really? We're going to climb Lookout Mountain? But I believe she could do it because I had seen everything she had been doing for the last you know, 16, 17, 18 months at that point, and I knew that she was up for challenges. You know, She's just like me. She needed a carrot on a stick something out in front of her and so we began our daily exercise to include 
a lot of hill climbing because we really wanted to have strong legs because it's one thing to climb a flight of stairs. It's another thing to climb 60 or 70 flights of stairs nonstop, and climbing Lookout Mountain was about the equivalent of doing just that. Granted, we were climbing on a paved switchback road, and that's a road that zigzags up the mountain, but it never levels out. It's always up, 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 up. And so October the 7th, uh, Deborah got to do something that she never even thought would be possible in her lifetime. She climbed to the top of Lookout Mountain and stood there and looked down to the valley below to the town of Collinsville, Alabama. And it was a victorious moment. Uh, you know, it's, uh, I guess for some people it's skydiving, for others it's scuba diving, to others it's climbing uh, um, Mount Everest or something like that. But in Deb's life, climbing this mountain that she has lived at the foot of her entire life, it was huge. It was absolutely huge. And, you know, and the, the ironic thing about it was because the training had been good, the training had been solid, it had been progressive. You know, we'd start out by climbing, you know, 10 or 15 floors in a day. You know, that's 150 feet upward. Uh, and we'd move it up to 40, and then to 50, and then to 75. And by the time we got ready to climb Lookout Mountain, neither one of us was even breaking a sweat by the time we got to the top. I don't know what we're going to do for a challenge next year, but we're going to have to be creative. And uh, so we may have to go to a taller mountain. or uh, <laughs> I don't know. We've done the distance, and we've done the mountains. But uh, we'll, just, we'll just have to see what next year brings and, and where we're at. But this, I can assure you, we're not quitting. And um, I think Bruce asked me recently, uh, you know, it's kind of a question, a collective question of, you know, am I going to have to eat like this for the rest of my life? Uh, uh, how do I know when I'm done? Uh, and I'm paraphrasing here, Bruce, so forgive me. But this is what I was drawing from it. Um, how do I... How do I maintain now that I've, I've done really good? How do I know um, when I've reached a, a stopping point? Uh, you know, because it's, you know, uh, so if, 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 just take for Gene here, just take for me for a second. If I lose 105 and I look better, feel better, and I'm healthier, and my blood work says I'm good, and, you know, my oxygenation is good, um, my mental health is good, my sleep is good, uh, all of those things, if they're all good, and, uh, and I reach that point where I'm, I'm just not losing any more weight, and the only way I can lose weight is by starving myself, uh, then I have probably gone as far as I can go with weight loss. And so at that point, it becomes, okay, the weight loss is good, now what can I do in terms of general fitness, you know, because I'm still aging, you know, this, this process now has, is, um, uh, in its seventh year or so. And so, um, maybe eight, I don't know, it runs together after a while, but so what, what is there to accomplish? Because I'm still fighting with father time, you know, and, um, and so 
you know, what do I do to make sure that age 64 was about as good as age 63? And how do I prepare for age 65, 66 and on down the road? Because, you know, I, I don't really want to, to become a sedentary person with very few options in my life when it comes to going and doing. And when I say going and doing, that's going and doing any and everything that I need to do or want to do. I was amazed um, last month, I guess it was, that, you know, Bruce was able to go on a pheasant hunting trip. And uh, and I know without having been there that the people that hunted with him were amazed that he could keep up. That was the evidence of his training. I know that Bruce spent a lot of time this year in a kayak, which is an amazing thing in and of itself. Now, I don't know if he uh, paddled, uh, you know, long distances, but I do know that just launching and fishing and paddling and covering a lake or a stream or a river all day long is, is, is physically demanding. So I know that he's not done living yet. You're not done living yet, are you, Bruce? So, um, you know, what are you going to do next year? What are you going to be prepared for next year? Um, more pheasant hunting trips? Uh, more fishing trips? Uh, you know, who, who knows? Uh, maybe more time playing with your dog. You know, but to be able to do it is such... Uh, or having the possibility of being able to do it uh, as you age is an exciting thing. And uh, so anyway... This is not what I intended to talk about, but, you know, once you uncork this old guy, he doesn't know when to shut up. But, uh, you know, I think I'm going to close this podcast out, and I will do another podcast in the next day or, so, day or so, because the thing that has made the difference in three people that I know, myself, Bruce, and Deborah, the thing that has made the big difference that played a huge role in both weight loss and fitness was that we became more sensitive. And, and I'm speaking medically now. Once again, not a doctor. Don't pretend to be one, but I do have some understanding of this stuff. Um, anytime that we're pre-diabetic, diabetic, of course, we're suffering from a condition that involves uh, insulin resistance. And that means that our body is resisting the things that insulin is supposed to do for it. And insulin works with every cell in our body. And, and when we're working properly with our insulin stores, we are considered insulin sensitive. In other words, insulin is secreted based on the amount of glucose that's in our bloodstream and in our body doesn't reject the insulin itself. It allows the insulin to do its job, and that job is to uh, ferry glucose to cells where it is converted so we can use it for energy to make muscles pump up and down and, um, and to supply us with the, the basic, most basic fuel source that we need uh, to, to do everything we do, literally. You know, it takes... It takes glucose in your bloodstream to brush your teeth. Well, actually, it takes it in your muscles, in your shoulders and arms to, 
to wag your toothbrush in your mouth. And, uh, you know, we don't, we don't think in those kind of terms. Uh, we think about, okay, I ate a bunch of sugar and I got kind of uh, hyped up and had a lot of energy for a short while, but we don't realize what all that sugar did in our body. And so, but, you know, there's a, uh, there's 10 or 11 points that I want to give you, and I'm going to give you that in the podcast that uh, may help you understand what has happened to us. We went from being insulin resistant to being insulin sensitive, which enabled insulin to do exactly what it's supposed to do with um, the sugars that that are in our bodies, whether they come from complex carbs or from simple carbs. Uh, we became sensitive to insulin doing what it's supposed to do, including the elimination of excess sugar from our bloodstreams. And so I want to talk a little bit more about that um, in another podcast, but I think that's going to be a wrap for today. 2020 wasn't a totally lost year. It was a year when I was probably uh, lonelier than I would like to have been at times. It was a period of time when I was more worried than I was at other times. Uh, There was probably more stress, but I can tell you this, Without a doubt, uh, this exercise routine that I do, this daily walking, this lifting, all of that is a big stress reducer for this old guy. And the good thing about this exercise is that it makes me a more sensitive guy with regard to insulin. How about that? In fact, studies show that um, after exercise, my body is more insulin sensitive for 2 to 48 hours, which means I burn more calories in the, in the few hours to a couple of days after exercise. And this exercise thing with regard to insulin sensitivity, it works best when you do a combination of aerobic and resistance training. So Deb, all those times when we were doing um, HIIT training in the gym and, and, and we'd walk a lap and, and jog a lap and walk a lap and jog a lap uh, and then we'd go lift, that was the perfect combo that helped you become insulin sensitive. And that's why, and I, I hate to tell you this on a podcast, that's why your doctor was able to reduce your medications. How about that? How about that? Okay, on the next podcast, I want to talk about how we eat to help us become more insulin sensitive and other things we can do to help us be healthy people. Uh, You know, it's complicated. I wish I was a doctor. I wish I could just flow through what would be page after page of type stuff but I'm trying to give you the cliff notes. And if you're interested in this at a, at a higher level, uh, ask me for references, you know, uh, of reliable, credible sources that can explain this. While they use all the medical jargon, they're putting it out in layman's terms so ordinary people like me, like you, can understand 
this wonderful human body of ours. Until next time, this is Papa Gene. I'm I'm going to wish you right now the best coming year ever, and um, and I am looking forward to it. I'm going to be in line to get my vaccine as soon as possible, and I'm looking forward to a lot of things getting back to normal um, for both myself and those that have worked out with me for these last few years. Until next time, may the good Lord bless you.